0: to episode one of the football history boys podcast with me ben jones and my good friend gareth thomas hello okay so we're thinking of opening the podcast by just telling you a bit about ourselves gareth has prepared pages and pages of <laughs> uh research into ourselves which is nice do you want to give us more information g yeah um okay so ben and i uh,
1: met at Secondary school, didn't we? Secondary school in Cardiff. Um, different forms. Yeah. Although, I think the love of football brought us together. Uh, you went a separate way for sixth form, didn't you? And then yeah. we rekindled our friendship at Swansea University. So there we go. Swansea University's is the thing, isn't it? Um, history, yeah. History course. Studying the first days. remember we met on the first day? That was great. Um, oh my gosh,
0: mm-hmm. you're here as well. Yeah. How did the football history boys start, though, Ben? That started in... Uh second year just after christmas because we were doing our history degrees and we had loads and loads of spare time um of course we probably should have been doing a lot more work but we thought what should we do in our spare time and our housemate uh, liam came up with the idea of coming up with a list of the top 250 footballers in the world of all time
1: i think he was a bit sick of us arguing about football all the time and debating it so he was like Tell us who's the best. Sort out a way of finding out who is the best. So we thought we sort
0: it out and we thought, let's create a website of all the players. That took ages. We thought, whilst we're doing it, let's write a few little bits of bobs around it, you know, about different players and teams. So we did that and eventually that just became the main part of what we were about and we just kept the writing going. Um, so February 2013 is when we started it. Yeah, and it's it's sort of been a it's been a reasonable growth since,
1: isn't it? I mean, twenty fourteen we won the football blogging awards um, as best new blog, and then I think life got in the way a little bit, didn't it? We've both teachers, both um, trained to be teachers, and I think sort of the football history boys perhaps just got put aside a little bit.
0: Yeah, lesson planning took over. and yeah. uh, football writing took a back seat for a bit, but then what? Last year, about last summer, I think we hung after the World Cup. We inspired to get it back on the road and we started writing again just in time for you to start your pgc <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah that's a bit about us um on the blog and yeah recently we've been uh, writing about the greatest welsh footballers that's our new series we're doing at the moment we've had uh six people writing for us they've been really good blogs excellent pieces of work which have discussed uh well 10 players in total and debating if they are the best in Welsh football history. So who have we got first, G, to discuss? So our first
1: topic, we are Welsh. We think we should start with a nice uh, Welsh one. So uh, as you may have seen, if you follow some of our writing, you can check us out at, at TFHBS on uh, Twitter yeah, and, that, and the website, yep. Um, Our first play then, let's chat about. Uh, we'll, start, we'll start modern start modern and and we'll look at Gareth Bale, we'll look at the situation of Bale because he's obviously got a modern situation going on as it stands um, and how he's doing in terms of uh, his Real Madrid career. Um, But let's chat about him as a Welsh legend. So we're talking about Welsh greatest, we are talking about them in a career, in terms of club career, but we're also talking about them in an international career context.
0: So Mm -hmm. Gareth Bale, uh, Ben, what are your thoughts on Gareth Bale? During the time we'd be watching, I don't no one's been better than Bale for for Wales. Um thirty one goals in seventy seven matches. It's not a bad record for, for Wales. Obviously it is the record. I, I've never seen anyone like him live, I don't think. Certainly obviously certainly not an OL
1: shirt in that way. I mean I remember him. I remember when Walcott joined Southampton. There was an article in the the Welsh paper here. We've got the South Wales Echo saying about this kid who's in the Southampton academy who could be the next Walcott, um, which seems funny to say now that Bale could be the next Walcott. Yeah. Um, and it, and it talked about how this guy was going to be great, and obviously, only signed for Tottenham left back then, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And and actually, it probably it didn't really work out for him initially, did he? Because I think he was linked towards was it, a three million move to Birmingham, Birmingham at yeah. some points. People weren't convinced by him. And then it was that night, I was it 2010, um, into Milan,
0: that hat-trick, That's that zero.
1: staggering hat-trick.
0: Destroyed Mike on, didn't he? Oh. Zanetti as well. Yeah, because my, my brother, of course, was a year above him in school, in Whitchurch. And uh, I remember him telling me when my brother was doing about 13, I was probably about eight. And he was like, oh, there's a boy in the year below me he's called Gareth Bale, he plays at Southampton, he's amazing at football, and I was like, yeah, what, you know, whatever. And then, yeah, about seven, eight years later, he was he was signing for Tottenham, and then obviously eventually world record figures at uh, Real Madrid. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I was, um, I worked part of the time with BBC, uh, something I was doing over the summer in, in uni, uh, doing some work experience there, and I worked for the BBC the day that he signed. Uh, for BBC Wales and obviously that was madness because they, they were running around they couldn't believe that this it. Welsh man was going to go for this much money mm. Um and then he flew back that next day to come play for Wales even though he had just signed he'd done the press conference he'd done the whole Hala Madrid press conference with his family Um and <laughs> Hala then, Madrid <laughs> yeah yeah. and he pops back um for the Wales game and I think that for me his, his consistency with Wales despite his club career yeah. is something that like stands him apart, out yeah that's stunning i mean how many
0: caps you say he's got 77? 77 so he is the seventh joint seventh for joe ledley on the all-time list which you know for his injuries he's had is quite good and the fact prepare. he's
1: 29 he's 20 he's 30 next week so he's 30
0: the oh, 16th of july so he could so he, he i imagine he'll get over 100 by the time he stops um but yeah excellent player really and 77 games obviously major tournament appearance and Got quite How many goals did he get in the Euros? Four? Yeah, three, I think. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Three goals there. And he was, yeah, he was, he was pretty superb there. Obviously, semi-final, he was uh, outshone by his friend and rival, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, um, but yeah I mean, recently his career taken a bit of a downward. <laughs> and that's what
1: worries me about Bale, because I think from where he was thinking about that sort of initial thing with Real Madrid... Um, obviously he's won four Champions Leagues, which is staggering but um, that Copa del Rey goal he's going against Barcelona where he ran off the pitch and was yeah. still outpaced and we've not seen that Bale for so long not um, seen pace for a while and I think he's he obviously he's lost his confidence certainly Zidane has, has said that he doesn't want him um, Bale's agent I saw yesterday was saying well, he's not going he's staying mm-hmm. um, I think Bale needs to leave and, and I, I think in terms yeah. of when we're talking about the Wales greatest Bale could absolutely be Wales greatest I think so And I think he probably probably will get there just from the number of trophies he's won and things like that. Um, But definitely, for me, he needs to move on and and save his career, really, because he is just almost 30. He's got, hopefully, five or six years left in him, at least. Um, So I'd like to see him move on for the the benefit of himself, for this summer.
0: Nice. Right, so let's have a look at another player in the the top goal-scoring list. I'm just going to run down this list, actually, see what you think of some of these players. Uh, second up, Ian Rush. He was in our top 10, wasn't he? And I did an article on him. Yeah,
1: you wrote about Ian Rush. Give us uh, just a little bit of a lowdown then on Ian Rush. I'm sure everyone knows Ian Rush, but give us a bit.
0: Well, Rushy, as uh, I like to call him, uh, It's friends I like to call him. Um, I mean, when I was a kid, I, I, we should probably say who we support, shouldn't we? Okay. So I'm the big Liverpool fan. Yeah. I
1: Cardiff's a year older, so I've been going to Cardiff
0: since I was uh, young. Yeah, so uh, my dad is also a big Liverpool fan, and he had a VHS tape when we were a kid called Liverpool Team of the Decade, about Liverpool in the 80s. And uh, Ian Rush was on there, and I remember just watching him, watching him just bang away every single chance he had, just finishing everything, and it was, it was amazing. Um, so I wrote the article, and I looked quite closely at his Liverpool career, which is pretty impressive, really. I mean, 346 total goals in 660 games, um... It's just, just an excellent player. I mean, he was a record teenage sign in when he when he joined eighteen. Didn't quite uh, get first into the first team. But he soon uh, won people rounds and I mean, two Champions Leagues so or Europe European Cups, um numerous league titles, FA five-year-olds. Cups, five titles I mean yeah, it's just I think finishing wise just brilliant. And what really impressed me I was looking at his Welsh career was just how much he performed on the big occasion. He had goals against, uh, winning goals against France, Italy, Spain, and Germany. I mean, he's got some stiff competition there with the strikers. I think the problem with with Rush is the time he was playing. I mean, it's often
1: said with Wales, and we cannot besmirch uh, Hal Robson carnou because as we were watching the other night, um, back on S4C, that that Cruyff turned that stunning goal. Yeah, but Wales always. Wales have had great number nines but not at the right time and you think if we'd had that number nine even now for this, this qualifying campaign that we've just been through where we've lacked goals and it seems to be that we're still lacking goals how much more an Ian Rush figure on the end of stuff from Gareth Bale on the yeah. end from stuff from Man Ramsey it, it'd be it'd be a dream I'd take hearts and all those back certainly but Ian Rush was just a natural goal scorer mm-hmm. so many goals um, for his club 28 for Wales and um, so yeah, I think I think he's perhaps hurt a little bit just in the, the time he was playing Wales weren't very good.
0: No, nope. uh, I mean, let me, I'll carry on down the list of scorers. We'll keep with the forwards for now. Uh, Steve Morrison. <laughs> 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 it's not Steve Morrison, obviously. Uh, right, Ivor Church, third in the list. Iver 23 Church. goals, 6, six sixty-eight games.
1: Another one of our focus points, that was Josh Thomas. Thank you for your article on him, Josh. Um yeah so uh, i've altered this is where we start to, to fall back a little bit in time so uh, i've all just for those of you who are not aware of him so much born in 1929 um born in swansea and yep. actually he's been called and, and josh likened to this in his article uh, the golden boy of welsh football
0: um, in a time when obviously john charles was playing as well yeah that's quite a yeah a he was, to be told. he
1: it? was chums with charles um he he played <laughs> for Swansea Town, Swansea before they were City. Swansea Town, um, and he he scored a huge amount of goals. For them, Actually, um, in the second division, he was only second division player. Really, obviously, the modern day Championship, um, and he scored 124 league goals in 327 games for the
0: Swans. There's a statue of him, um, isn't there outside? Is there a statue of that? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There's a statue to him now, um, and so actually, for the for Swansea, he was pretty consistent. Um, in terms of his club career, just moving on, I know we're about Wales, but in terms of his club career, he moved on um, to Newcastle for £28,000, big fee at that time, big fee, £28,000, um, to Newcastle, and there, again, very good record, very solid record in his debut season, 16 goals in 26 games, uh, yeah. 46, 143, then just very quickly, uh, Cardiff, so, he's someone who crossed that divide. He played for Swansea and Cardiff before moving back to Swansea. So, his club career, pretty uh, solid. It was his Welsh career, though, that we look at as his um, sort of special moment and why he's considered one of Wales' greatest. Well, he obviously was in the squad in the 58 World Cup. Our one and only 58 World Cup, yeah. Uh, the, the one that we've sadly not surpassed, the one that England fans still like to throw at us. Yeah, perhaps. quarterfinal. final. Lost to Pele.
0: He played in all of Wales' matches and scored two in that World Cup. So he he scored. scored. Big win against uh, Hungary, didn't he? Um, Yeah. In the playoff, because they they finished on the same points in the group stage. Wales and Hungary. They had to have a playoff to see who went through to the quarterfinals. And uh, yeah, I think uh, him and uh, Medwin got the goals and um, sent them through. So yeah, Old Church, definitely uh, one of the greatest. Um, He's also, no, he's actually in the English Football Hall of Fame overall churches and obviously the welshman as well so that's that's pretty impressive and he's in the uh, football league 100 legends club as well so you know an excellent excellent player um okay let's stick with the 58 team then john charles this is the, probably the player who most people said when we said who's wales is the greatest player which is a surprise because most people who you know replied to us on twitter probably didn't see him play yeah but he for a lot of people, is, is the greatest. He so got 15 goals in only 38 games for Wales, which uh, obviously there wasn't as many internationals back then, but it's surprisingly low in terms of the games, considering all church had 68 at the same time. It might be something to do with the fact that he plays in Italy. Uh, what do you think then, G? John Charles? Well, Carl Reynolds wrote about um, our article for John
1: Charles. Thank you very much for that. Um, <laughs> Again, born nineteen thirty-one, so as you said, similar time to all church. Um, I think him for him his club career stands out, um, and and that's absolutely not something to to laugh at when we talk about actually the fact that in ninety-seven he was voted as Juventus's best ever foreign player.
0: Yeah, that is some record. Considering the players they've had, yeah, Platini, Zidane, you know. Absolutely crazy, really. So, I mean, he started out um, at Swansea Town
1: and then moved to Leeds, and Leeds is where he became a bit of a legend Uh, there. They've got the stand, I think the West stand at Leeds is named after John Charles still to this day. Um, 300-plus league games for Leeds, 150-plus league goals.
0: But obviously, he started out as a centre-back originally. And he was good there as well, wasn't he? It's like Bale, is not it? Bale started off as a defender, and he moved forward. Yeah, he moved forward. When he moved moved forward, his goal record is... Remarkable. So just wait for Chris Gunter to do the same now. Yeah, get him up on the, on the right wing. <laughs> sure, banging a couple yeah. of goals. Um, British record transfer fee holder:
1: sixty-five thousand for his move to Juventus. Um, and that's a big thing. I mean, I, you know, the fifties it wasn't unheard of for footballers to move abroad, but it's it's still a significant yeah, thing to move from.
0: Maximum wage, is not it? it? Was in place. It? It was yeah,
1: it and so he got a huge, huge pay rise um, for doing that. Um, and I think looking here at his his record, he won three Scudettos three Italian uh, league titles, three—sorry, two Italian Cups. Um, and he actually he finished third in the 1959 Ballon d'Or as well. So actually he's, he's a bronze Ballon d'Or winner. Um, his record in Italy was remarkable. I, I think that's why, part of the reason he was voted as one of their best ever foreign players. Juventus had won the league for a number of years. I think it was six years they had won the league. And he comes along, scores the goals, has a great debut season. And he ends up as the top goal scorer um, in Italy and, and wins them Um,
0: the league so uh,
1: incredible really um
0: yeah wales career i guess obviously you you can't knock it for 58 yeah exactly so yeah and he is he was actually the first welsh player inducted into the english football hall of fame 2002 uh and he's of course in the welsh football hall of fame and in the football league 100 legends
1: and who knows if he played in that game against brazil because he was injured wasn't he yeah. He was injured against Brazil. Pele, a little, young, was he? 17-year-old Pele, scored the winner. But um, it's said that if Charles was there, we may well have uh, knocked Brazil out and gone on to win that World Cup. I don't know. I'd like to think that
0: we would have. I'd like to think so as well. I'd like to think so. Yeah. I'd like to think we'd have smashed everyone else in that tournament. So I will do one more for now for this uh, podcast. We'll look at the rest next time. We're going to finish on another forward. We're going to finish on Jess Fishlock, who is, of course... Creating records of herself at the moment for the Welsh women's team. So what have we got there? That was our first uh, article in our in our series by Lewis Davis. His Twitter is at hst underscore groundtop. High stress therapy sounds pretty good. Uh, right, Fishlock then. What do we know? So Fishlock, um, one of the youngest
1: in terms of she's only thirty-two. Um, Cardiff girl herself. Um, And I think she's great because she's played all over the world. It is absolutely not tokenism that uh, Jess Fishtock's included. She's a phenomenal women's footballer, considered one of the best. um, About when she started off at Cardiff City Ladies, one of our (coughs) few Welsh people who actually did start at Cardiff City, Um, Uh we did produce someone. um, Yeah. And interestingly, I was reading today that she she was one of the first to move um, abroad, really, to the uh, Eredivisie, the Dutch league. She moved to AZ, AZ Alkmaar yeah. when she was a teenager and became the first or the the only foreign player in the league at that point, um, which must have been a, a really strange uh, time for her, moving from South
0: Wales over to uh, the Netherlands. She made her debut, and she was well, sixteen as well. Really, really yeah. good for the first team. Young talent. She I mean, she's had a bit of a journey,
1: journey woman career. As you know, brilliant. She's she's travelled the world in that way. She's uh, played for Bristol. She's played for Melbourne, Victory and Melbourne City. She's played yeah. for Frankfurt, Lyon, Glasgow and um, Seattle Rain as well, obviously for Reign her.
0: Rain FC now, of course, that's what they called. it. Yeah. dropped the Seattle from their name. Uh, with, of course, Megan Megan Rapino as well, who's obviously creating ma- yeah, yeah. headlines the moment they walk up. So, Fishlock, uh, yeah, what's uh, most impressed about her is I think it, her move to Lyon recently, obviously, it was on loan. And Lyon, of course, are by far and away the best team of women's football, and they have been for at least fifteen years now. So they've won uh, they won the French league every season since two thousand and six, which is pretty pretty mental. They won the last uh, so like one, two, three, four Champions League as well, and so Fishlock signing for them with the players they have, Lucy Bronze, they've had Alex Morgan there as well in the past. They've had all the best players in the world that played for Lyon. Jess Fishlock has been there and they won the Champions League this season again. They were the treble issue, I think, didn't they? The League, the Coupe de France and um, the Champions League as well. Uh, There you go. So it it was good at Fishlock because I think, uh, as as Lewis wrote in the article, um, earlier in her career when she was playing for, I think it must have been for Frankfurt, they won the Champions League but she had her loan had finished just before the final. So she actually had left uh, Frankfurt just before they played the final, which they won. So she didn't get a winner's medal. She get a medal? No. Oh. oh, she might have got a medal, but she obviously didn't she play in the play. game. So it's not, I mean? it's, not the, it's not It's not. the same, is it really? No. I mean, she might. And <laughs> also, I mean, in terms of Wales, she's got 101
1: caps, which is um, huge, <laughs> obviously, mm-hmm. and, and 29 goals as well. So I think as a, as a Welsh footballer, She's absolutely good to be considered one of the greatest, and she's we've got a really, really good response sure. to our Twitter article on her she, as
0: well. Yeah, only only two um, only two centurions to Wales, and she's one of them here in yeah. Lauren Dykes. So yeah, uh, excellent, really, incredibly respected. Cool. I reckon we'll pick up next time
1: out. And it is our first time on the last couple. Uh, we've still got one or two more articles to come. To let's take a break and then we'll chat about what's been going on in the World Cup. <laughs>
0: So, moving on from Jess Fishlock, keeping it with the women's football vibe. We've obviously been watching the women's World Cup yes. quite avidly over the last few uh, few weeks. Um, and there's been a lot of conversation about three letters, V A R. It's been the main uh, thing about the World Cup, which is a shame. It has overshadowed at times some you know, fantastic football um, and some really good games as well. I mean, last night's game, obviously, at the time of the recording, England, unfortunately, well, depends on where you're, where you're from, going out to uh, the USA, 2-1. Um, no comment. <laughs> 2-1. Um, yeah, I mean, Villar obviously came into the game there. There was two times. instances was there, and you're right, I think it
1: has overshadowed it. It has overshadowed it a bit, and that's a shame, really, because I think, really, it's not... That's not the point of the Women's World Cup. It's been phenomenal, actually. The support and everything has been sensational. Listening, and we said, we both work in schools to girls um, and boys, both watching it, loving the football. It's been sensational. Yeah. However, VAR, we can't get away from. So, yeah, let's talk about it yesterday. Um, there was those two incidents, wasn't there? Um, interestingly, well, we'll debate whether they were right or wrong. The first one, the offside. Um, Ellen White was, what, millimetres? Millimetres offside? But offside, isn't it? So are we agreed in that way that offside is offside? Yeah. Because this am. is where we bring in um, uh, someone like Matthew Side or the ping pong guy, if you listen to that podcast, great podcast. Um, he said that VAR is killing the joy of sport. VAR is killing the fun and that momentary joy. Um, and with him, I agree in that sense that VAR is making you now hesitate a little bit and go, yeah. are we allowed to celebrate?
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. I've definitely thought that in the Liverpool game where they beat Barcelona 4 now. Ricky scored the first goal, yeah. Because even he, he was not offside, he was, was no near. But first, split second, he scored. And I was like, I can't celebrate yet. Just in case, the ref goes VAR, yeah, yeah, they've got. So yeah, it does. It does take that immediate response out. But then, but I don't.
1: The difficulty is, I mean, they everyone got the joy of celebrating yesterday. I know it was deflating afterwards, but Ellen White went crazy, and all the England fans went crazy, and Jonathan Pierce went crazy on the commentary as well. You know, I think. The the joy was still there; it was just taken away. Um, yeah. The the issue is going to be is when we start talking about long long VAR breaks, and I don't think that was too long yesterday. I think they were quite sharp on the. Not too shame. It was. It was only. It was the second incident. So if we say yeah, absolutely offside, which it was, good decision. That's what we want VAR for to rule out things that should be ruled out. Um, what about the penalty though? In your opinion, was there a penalty? Uh. Yeah. Just. For those who haven't seen it, um, the ball comes across, Ellen White goes to shoot, and her stand, her shooting leg is taken away by the defender, isn't it? Um, yeah, initially, um, as soon as I saw her, I thought, oof, that looks like a penalty, just because of the way she went down, and just because she was in front of the goal, six-yard box for an easy score. Mm-hmm. And then nothing happened, and then they made a substitute, and I think maybe had they not taken that substitute and they'd taken the goal kick, would, would VAR have come to it? But it seemed to be in the substitute yeah. break, they checked it. And then as soon as you saw the replay, you thought this is going to give given us a penalty. And that's what blew up on Twitter. A lot of people, um, even England fans, were obviously happy there was a penalty to England, which obviously Steph Houghton then, unfortunately, for England missed. Um, I think the initial thing of this, they they stopped it. We looked at loads of replays, slow-mo, super slow-mo. Um, we did see it clipped, so therefore it probably was a penalty. But is mm-hmm. that what we want from football?
0: Well, I'd say if it brings more goals, but they they missed the penalty, so <laughs> uh, it's all um, it's all relative to who's sporting, is it? Really? Yeah, of course. I it mean, is. if that was you know Wales in the world in the World Cup semi-final, and the Welsh players got their stat, uh, shooting foot taken away, we'd be go mental. Yeah, you know, if that wasn't given as a penalty. And so, I I agree
1: with it being a penalty. I mean, I, yeah, I I was cheering,
0: you were say, but um, but the fact we have to ask this question still about. If it, you know, do you think it's a penalty? Just, I mean, VARs yeah, meant to have come in to say, Stonewall, it's exactly a penalty. Yeah. But it, you know, still there's still debate, uh, cause which,
1: <sighs> and there's always going to be with penalties, and there's going to be with the handballs, we've seen so many handballs recently in the women's World Cup. But in, um, obviously the the Rashford one where they earned a penalty from it from um the PSG game where the yeah. guy was sticking his arm out, and it seems to be now these rules yeah. have shifted into if you make your body bigger now that's absolutely fine but what it means is it almost is more appealing to shoot at an arm now if you shoot an arm it hits the arm
0: you're in a penalty special if you're chris gunter yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, i don't know how to go chris gunter today uh yeah so yeah i mean it has t- it has distracted a bit from the quality of the tournament it's a shame because last year in the the men's tournament var was used and it was yeah. used pretty well I think it's more to do with the rule changes why yeah. it's been so Well, the penalty thing used. has been ridiculous. The
1: the goalkeeper not standing on the line. I was reading it, actually. Premier League next year, they're going to now, goalkeepers aren't even allowed to move on the line. They've got to s- literally stand still. They can't wave their arms about, you know, sort of Yuzi Dudek, <laughs> Bruce Grobler style. They're not allowed to move. They're not allowed to touch the goalposts or anything. I think, again, to try and clear up this vast stuff, and that's where I worry about it, because as a Cardiff fan, everyone saw a match today on Twitter, or whatever, that incident with them. Um, as Pelicueta offside uh, effectively potentially relegated Cardiff, we were winning against Chelsea at home. Um, Chelsea score an offside goal, and it turns the game. Mm. Um, now in that case, Vars nice and simple because he's a mile offside. The, yeah. I think the debate, and I saw it on Twitter. I was having a debate with someone, and um, we were saying maybe a referral system of some sort is the best way to go. Something like where we have in tennis and cricket, where you can challenge Pretty if sure you're that's
0: wrong. Same in, um...
1: Hockey as well, yeah, an NFL. And if you're wrong, you lose the challenge, and if you're right, you keep your challenge. And perhaps that's a way to solve it in some way. And you go eventually, we still get those debates because maybe if you've used your three challenges or your two challenges, one yeah, and a half, yeah,
0: cricket it's like hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The uh, Cricket World Cup one. and then if
1: it goes wrong, well, you can't moan about it. They, they can't. I think no. the problem is the TV officials they're always going to pull it up. And I think the referee yesterday, and certainly in other ones we've seen, even in the World Cup last year, was. As long as it was almost because they've been pulled up by the person in their ear. They feel like they have to give a penalty because if they disagree with that, if she had said on the pitch yesterday that's not a penalty, she's yeah. got an awful lot of explaining to do. Whereas, you know, uh, I think I just think it means we're going to have a load more penalties in the Premier League next season. We will see. Yeah. Uh, what so it does. Harry
0: sixty goals probably. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Alan Shearer would have had a field day. Go back to Women's World Cup then. Which um, player has impressed you the most in this tournament?
1: I think, uh, in terms of headlines, uh, but in terms of delivering on that, Megan Rapinoe has been superb, absolutely superb. Yeah. Um, delivered on it despite all the stuff going off on field. Yeah. Um, the argument, very public argument, Donald Trump. Um, yeah, But also, we can't take anything away from um, Ellen White. She's been very impressed with it. Sensational, yeah. sensational. And you feel for it yesterday because she had the record of... Um, was it most, most goals for an English woman in, in World Cups or well, actually for she's any English six, player yeah, yeah. any English player so she's taken over Harry Kane's record and obviously that was taken away from her any last year British player, goal. I imagine. yeah sadly mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, th- I think she's been superb as well England have been, have been brilliant and that's why I can't begrudge them how far they've gone who do you fancy uh, for the final? Obviously, the, the well, game will take I, place tonight and he's taking place as it happens for the other semi-final. Yeah,
0: I mean, I can't look past the US, really. I mean, the Holland, though, the Netherlands have been very good. Um, maybe they won the last year, I think, as well, didn't they? So, they obviously are a team in four. Uh, yeah, I could, see, I, could, I could see an upset, but I think with the experience that the USA have with Carly Lloyd and Alex Morgan, uh, and obviously, just Mega and, you know... Um, yeah, I think they'll probably have a bit too much experience. It's nil-nil at the moment. Just check there. Uh, Yeah, so, yeah, I think I think Holland will get through to play them. But, oh, Sweden will be, be, a, big good gym, so be a good it'll final. It will be a good final. The last final was good, actually, wasn't it? Five, was it 5-2 against Japan? Yeah. Kyle Lloyd scored from... Oh, the oh didn't he, and scored from half that was level. sensational. Um, that USA team yeah. is so good. My right?
1: my dad was saying yesterday, how how are they so good, American women, compared to the American men? I, 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 I can only just assume it's because they channel them down soccer football, yeah. at an early age there in schools I, and stuff
0: i think uh i was having a chat yesterday with uh with reese who wrote an article on writing gigs and he was saying that he used to teach football in america and the uh the young lads over there when they're about 11 12 will often get picked up by basketball baseball and American football yeah. when they're playing soccer uh and then I'll go and play those sports instead. Mm. Whereas for the women, football is the main sport, yeah. and that's what they get funneled into. Whereas the boys get taken off into these other other games, which is obviously a shame because yeah, well,
1: it's, it's, like we said, with Fishlock actually for her going to Seattle was massive because actually you're joining the best league in the world, really. Um, mm. And obviously now the women, the women's league here is is um, vastly improving, and it's it's entertaining. It really is entertaining, but yeah i think still america it, and and they're so good to watch they're so enjoyable yeah. to watch too so yeah i look forward to the final on uh the weekend absolutely
0: fantastic so there you go but women's walk up there okay so we're gonna do i uh, we'll do a quick game now on uh i found a quiz on sporkle uh it's called 100 british football soccer quiz questions and i've got all the answers for myself, obviously, um, and I've got them in in order of difficulty, and I'm going to, every time we do a podcast, I'm going to give you five questions, and then I'm going to leave one for the audience, and then we're going to, uh, next week, or next time we do a podcast, we'll do another five, and so on, okay, it's going to get harder and harder and harder as it goes on, okay? I'm going right. embarrassed myself here. Yeah. yeah, I'm lucky, because i got, I got all the answers. Okay, the average score on this is 7%. <laughs> <laughs> out of how many questions out of 100 questions so so seven seven out of 100. 100. okay, okay well that's not Excellent. so bad good massa and you're a history history teacher but you know yeah last name in the future right okay question one who is the only team in the english and scottish leagues with a j in their name
1: oh that is a great question i i've got that i'll leave time for the viewers the, the listeners yeah. st Johnston.
0: It is St Johnson correct. Well done, St Johnston. Okay. Is that was that one of the hard ones or <laughs> That was the easiest question. Eighty three point oh, four percent Brilliant. people got that question right. Okay, question two is which British team this is a question has won more European Cups than its own top league? That is a phenomenal question
1: then the top league
0: so they're their top league british team do you say british team yeah okay that is a good question if you just whittle it down to the champions league winners that british champions league winners you'll probably get it yeah well i
1: so immediate thought was villa um but i don't know if i'm being too hasty on that so let's talk about it. we've got obviously liverpool we've got man united and they obviously ruled out We've got Chelsea and they're ruled out. So therefore, we're we're, we're whittling down it must be either Forest or Villa and I'm going to go with Villa. Not in the Forest. forest. No, No, I'm surprised by that because they won
0: two, didn't they? I would have thought they won two. I would have thought so as well. Uh, So 60.1% who have got that one right. Okay, question three. Okay. What is the only team in the Premier League Whose name starts with five consonants? Oh God, that's a good question.
1: This is, yeah, uh, it's of uh, course nine thirty in the evening. I've had a long day. I've been teaching oh, today.
0: Thirty-five percent um, people got this one, so it already drops down quite considerably. Okay, uh, I'm gonna to speed it along a little bit. I'm gonna give you a fifteen seconds fifteen seconds timer. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna start now. Okay. Okay, it's coming.
1: None of the A's. none of the B's. Not Chelsea.
0: Five seconds. I've got it. Come on. Crystal Palace. Well, well done. Correct. Oh, there we go. Well done. Crystal Palace. Yes. C-R-Y-S-T. Lovely. Okay. Right. Next question. Question four. I think you'll get this one. A bit more history. Who was Britain's first £1 million player. Oh,
1: good. I think we had an article on this years ago, one of our originals, probably 2013. I think Christian Iandokan, years ago. Um, Trevor Francis.
0: Correct, Trevor Francis. I think that was to... that was to Forest, wasn't it, as well? £1 um, million. Pounds, yeah. Who is the only player... This is a tough one. I imagine certain fans you get this, though. Who is the only player to score in a Manchester... Merseyside and Old Firm Derby. Am i gonna start the timer. Oh, uh, I've
1: got uh, I've got yeah. an immediate thought on that, but 20. Manchester, Merseyside
0: I think Manchester. Glasgow.
1: I'll use my time just to consider
0: others. Okay. Time's up. Who are you going for? I'm gonna go Craig Bellamy. Incorrect. Oh. Andre Kanchalskis. There you go. Nineties. Nineties reference set. Belly. He scored in the Manchester derby. derby. He must have not scored a merge sure No, I don't
1: think he did against Everton. He scored in the old firm. There you
0: go. There you go. That's a good. That's a good question. Oh, yeah, okay. Good. that's the first also five. Obviously, you'll get the next one next week, but I didn't get to yet. Okay. Right, I'm gonna leave one more question then, and that's for the listeners. So if you know the answer we would like to just tweet it to us at T-F-H-B-S on Twitter. And that the question is, what is the team in the English and Scottish leagues that has the longest name? Mm. Good question. Do you have any ideas? Like, I don't have any ideas. I'll tell you got... it off air, But okay. I do have ideas. Yeah, I
1: think it was on Question of Sport a few years ago.
0: Okay. Well, wait for a minute. Okay, uh, Sue Barker still goes strong. Okay, so, right, that's the question's done. Next bit of the show is all about an article that you wrote recently, all about sports history in schools. Should we have a cup of tea? Then we'll come back to it. Sports history and the school curriculum an important relationship is what you wrote and of course this is a topic which is close to our hearts because of course we are both teachers myself a primary school teacher yourself a history teacher and i think this is more to do with what you'll be teachers in the schools as opposed to me of course in primary school i can teach a bit about football history at times i'll slip in a bit about uh you know the women's football the first world war and things like this but you have a much more in-depth look at it, didn't you, recently? So, what what were your what were your main findings?
1: Yeah, I think it was sparked after I listened to um, a Radio Two debate with Jeremy Vine, and he said he had this stat that the schools were told in the media and by celebrities and by on on Twitter high-profile things, newspaper headlines. There are over three hundred and fifty in twenty eighteen telling schools you must teach this, this, and this, and some of the examples I wrote down about safe trampolining after a girl was yeah. hit trampolining, or you must teach um, all the different things about knife crime and all those, and, and saying why do schools teach this? Why do schools teach history and geography? And that was the thing that was targeted, and obviously as a history teacher, a humanities teacher, I teach a bit of geography as well. Um, I think it's important to think about those things, for me, certainly, and that's what I wrote about it, is why is, is history important? But also why is sports history important? Because obviously we love sports history, and I felt at times maybe when I've told people I, I write about sports history, it's almost a bit of a what's the point? Is yeah. it just a bit of a hobby? Is there any relevance to it? And I think I wanted to explore a little bit of
0: the relevance of sports I history. I think what the I think what I've realised recently a lot is the sports history that we write is actually it's a lot of it's sociology really, isn't it? It's mm. it's looking at absolutely the how sport or the role it plays in society but obviously we look at it at it from as far back as you know the, the Victorian times so we have a historical look at the impact of football or you know sometimes we look at wide sports in society so it's like a sociology thing as well involved um, what I what I thought was interesting at first in your in your piece was you said about the 350 skills or that aren't being taught like mortgage lessons and yeah. safe knife usage but You also mentioned, I mean, I I think schools, obviously, you know, we're teachers, we're going to have some sort of level of bias, but I do think schools are often just used as a scapegoat for a lot of society's problems. And Mm. they think, oh, you know, kids are are being, you know, a bit rowdy these days, or on iPads. Let's just blame the schools. It's an easy thing to do, because that's where the kids are most of the day. And obviously, I I see them at the really young level, and they are coming into school without... You know, basic, basic uh, skills of life that you know a lot of them aren't even potty training. So it's 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 quite embarrassing. And really. that all centers are, you know, much broader than just schools. But there's a reason why we they don't get taught mortgage lessons in schools, and that's you know, it's boring. <laughs> would Would you want to do a mortgage lesson in the school, Gareth? Would you want to Would you want to learn about? Listen, we we're
1: having a conversation, right? were not we? Because uh, I think it's really interesting. I think part one, I wouldn't be qualified to. Because actually, I'm learning yeah, that true. myself. We're both in our mid-twenties. We're learning about how you get a mortgage yourselves. Also, um, one of those things I said in the article, and, and is true today, the bank I bank with, I bank with because they came into school and gave us a talk about how you use money and what a debit card is and all those things. Um, I think they offered me a, a debit card and that was obviously massively appealing. You win. And I jumped on it. So I think those things do happen. But also... Yeah, that's the point. That lots of it is boring in a way that you can't just sit someone down and say this is a mortgage. This is how you pay your tax because those children will not listen. There's there's not kids who are going. I want a mortgage lesson.
0: I mean, I mean, children can study economics. Yeah, I did. studies. there's a lot, you know, a lot of financial skills involved in that. And if you get the basic math skills, a lot of these later things like you know interest and whatever, they they, it'll come to you. And this ties
1: into history then for me, because that's, that's where I went on to argue. So we talked about that and what's the point of history? Well, then you look at it and it's actually the skills that history brings you. And for me, it's things like that, the longer extended writing, but writing in a way that you can judge both sides. As historians, uh, okay. even in a, a primary school level, year five, six, you teach them to weigh up both sides on the one hand, on the other hand, to look at evidence and analyse yeah. things. History is so important for that. And history is important for um, oracy skills, getting people to stand up and uh, campaign for whatever. Creative language. Yeah, yeah. all those different things. All those things, looking at recruitment posters from the First World War and looking at what tools were used there. There's so much benefit. And then that's where, sort of, finally, I bring in sports history. I think it's so important. Um, You've got the article in front of you. Some of the things that we've written about in the past that you think could uh, find its way into a school curriculum.
0: Yeah. I've uh, I've done loads of uh, writing into football education haven't I, and uh, yeah, I teach year three at the moment. I'll teach seven seven and eight year olds. Last year I was in year five with the nine and ten year olds. And whatever year I've taught, if I ask you know boys and girls, what what's favourite thing, they'll they'll all say a, a sport. They'll mm-hmm. say football. They'll say dancing. They'll say netball. Whatever. That's what they're interested. In. That is what their passion is is sport. And if you know. And some subjects like history, like geography, even maths and literacy, they're not they're not going to be automatically interested in it. Just even however amazing you make a lesson, but sometimes giving it a context like a football context, even in maths or a football context in uh, geography and obviously in history, can immediately capture their imagination and draw them straight into a lesson. Out uh, they want to learn about it because it's something that they're passionate about. And I think learning about the history of the world and you know its its effect on societies over time, through the eyes of of a footballer or what what I've, what's happening in the football is is a really good tool to use because you're not just learning you know in in nineteen seventeen or you know so and so beat so and so three one it's you nineteen know, seventeen so and so so and so beat so three and one three to one but at the same time, the crowd was a you know was had sixty thousand spectators of you know this type of society that type of society. Why were these people there? Why weren't these people there? And it draws and all these extra questions that you can answer.
1: Football gives you this snapshot of well, and sport in general. It's not just football here with we're, we're all sport gives yeah. you a snapshot of society at the time. Absolutely, I think. So if we talk about the nineteen seventy four World Cup. East Germany versus West Germany. The only other time they met in competitive football. It was West German soil. And you can talk about how West Germany is more developed. They could host a World Cup. Yeah. Um, they hosted that World Cup. They were favourites. They were managed by an East German who had escaped into West Germany for yeah. a better life. You can bring in elements there if that's oh, what yeah. happened. But actually, East Germany won 1-0. Yeah. And that was a huge moment. that talks about the Cold War tensions. that talks about East and West Germany. That I love that story you can talk about the Second World War and the First World War of how footballers played their part in the First World, yeah. World War, Walter Tull. Yeah. Amazing man that we've talked about in the past, a black um, man who became the first black army officer. He was also a footballer for the likes of Tottenham Hotspur and Northampton. He was, and I use him as an example, and say imagine a Raheem Sterling and Marcus Rashford go into fighting war Sergeant now. Sergeant
0: Christiana. Yeah. So, you wanna... so
1: I, think, I think sports history is incredibly important, and it shouldn't be dismissed. And, and I think... Where and then we can, we don't want to bore people with the education issues of it, but I think the way the Welsh education is going is where there is a little bit more freedom and where we're talking about making learners lifelong learners really interested in learning for the rest of their lives. Doing like yeah. you said, something that's going to interest them is great. Um, you said you've done it with your class with a picture of Messi and got them to annotate a picture of Messi,
0: yeah, add uh, add verbs to what me- so Messi it was a picture of him kicking a football and they had to do verbs of how he might move on a football pitch and then add adverbs to it and there was some it was good. They did a good piece of work and I think just because I had messy it immediately engaged the class and the people who are into football thought I need to do a better job than this person who's into football because this is my sport. So they they, they really, you know, they go for it. But um sports history, I mean we loved it. I mean my dissertation was on tennis, Victorian lawn tennis and its effect on the middle class. So immediately it was, I don't think I had many lines in there about results you mm. know so and so beat so and so six two six four six love it it was you know why did tennis why was it picked up by these people in society and what effect did have on them or what's affected have on that what they wore um how they acted how they left the house everything and sport was that main theme all around it so i think i think it definitely holds a place in a, in the curriculum
1: well, i said mine was hooliganism in the and in in britain um very little about actual score lines it was more about the society, what was happening politically, what was happening in terms of social um, tensions and different things like that. So I think sports history is so important, that's why we'll bang the drum for sports history. And I, I think. think we'll
0: definitely return to this topic. We could we, could, we could talk about this for hours, can we? I know we don't want to bore people. We're very passionate about, but yeah, okay, there we go. So we'll go, We'll move on then. Three tournaments that are going on at the moment. There is the Copper America, the African Cup of Nations, and the Gold Cup. Now, because the women's World has been on, because we've been teaching, haven't paid as much attention, and obviously the, the time differences, especially in Brazil, have affected any viewing, but obviously Brazil have made it to the set, uh, final. They'll be playing either Chile or Peru. They won 2-0 yesterday. Firmino scored. Wasn't a no-look goal this time. He's also uh, Firmino. He? Yeah, so was, uh, there you go. Both playing the same team, that's really helped. Uh, Messi, another trophy-less Copper America. I'm sure they're just every year these days has there's a copper america as well there's one next year there you go there's actually year. one next year 2015 2016 2019 2020. i think they're First. trying to kick the the change the rhythm. the cycle mm. but yeah weird yeah so eventually i'm sure um is it com commonable yeah. yeah i'm sure they'll get messi a trophy
1: i um, i feel that we having this conversation before we started off there wasn't it and we said for messi it's always going to haunt him this never lifting a, a international trophy and I desperately hope he does because I think it's something that people beat him with and they will forever beat him with but it's very easy to beat him with because actually for Argentina it's it's not happened for him has it
0: yeah it's too fine he won the Olympics um, but you know uh, right Africa Nations Egypt Mo Salah scoring the goals they're through I'll just give you quickly uh, I'll just say, tell you to your left and you're going to give me a prediction of who's going to win it okay and then we'll move on to the gold cup. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that used to be in, used to be in January, didn't it? And they've obviously changed it. Uh, I think that's much better. It was always a
1: nightmare in Football Manager when you had. i um, uh-huh. was just answering now. I'm playing Football Manager 16 still. I mean,
0: 2035, um, but all my players were still <laughs> all going out um, in a nightmare. Yeah, I think actually, speaking of sports history and sports society, this is an important Afghan because it was originally going to be hosted by Cameroon. And it got course. scrapped because of the uh, Boko Haram insurgency yeah. um, in that region. So that shows immediately, you know, sport. More than just score lines. Exactly. You've got the African nations, but all this anything going on around it, and sport is in there. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't know about cause it, because obviously it's, it's not in Europe, and obviously the way the media is really these days, people wouldn't know about the Boko Haram insurgency. But now they've got this t- football tournament, it becomes new. So football, you know, is used in that way. Right, uh, here's teams that are left. We have, all oh, right. We got Egypt. We have Uganda, Democratic Republic of Congo, Madagascar. Yeah, they pulled off a big win, the didn't they, the other day? Beat oh, Nigeria, yeah. beat Nigeria, uh, Nigeria. So then Guinea, so Naby Kate is Guinea. Uh, Algeria, Senegal, Morocco, Ivory Coast. And South Africa, Mali, Tunisia. Right, who's going through? Who's winning? Oh, this is literally plucking a name out of the air. Um, it's, in, it's in Egypt, but he has been hosting it. And I, for me, that might hold a bit of weight, and they have got good record. I'm
1: going to go Tunisia.
0: Tunisia, they were good the World Cup, with actually. One. Yeah,
1: good in the World Cup. North African, World, um, Afcon. I think I'm going to go Tunisia.
0: Okay, I'm going to go for Egypt. Um, That's just because of Mozilla. <laughs> and Egypt against Senegal final. Salah versus Mali. I think that'd be quite a good one to watch. Right, Gold Cup. I haven't paid much attention to this. I have. You I've paid more been...
1: attention to this just because Junior Hoylert and um, Leandro Bakuna are there. Cardiff. Yeah, both Cardiff men. Um, both have done well. Both have scored a couple
0: of goals. Both eliminated in the quarterfinals though, so they are on their way back. Okay, so semi-final tonight actually. Jamaica versus USA. And Haiti, the mighty Haiti lost to Mexico 1 0 in this semi. So it's probably gonna be another Mexico USA final. Yeah. As always is. And prediction. We're
1: gonna go Mexico.
0: I Ah well, I was gonna Mexico, but I'll go USA now because you said Mexico. Right, okay, Fab. Have we got one more little little quick quiz? Yeah, go on, we'll finish. We're using up all our good ideas here, Ben. But it's our first it's our first uh,
1: podcast, so let's use it. So um uh, this is a poorly and quickly thought of Guess the year. Okay, what we're going to do, I've got seven clues, or well, you'll get it by the seventh clue, absolutely. I wanted you to guess the year. They're going to be historical situations. Okay. Um, I'm not going to tell you straight away. I, I'll have a, a guess after every clue, and then we'll see how quickly you can guess the year. Okay, People can join in at home, so leave a little bit of a gap for them to have a little think. Okay, shoot. Clue one. Catherine Hepburn wins Best Actress for the film Morning Glory, whilst Yorkshireman Charles Lawton best actor for the private life of henry viii what year uh
0: 1954
1: okay 54 question 2 or fact uh, 2 alcatraz officially yeah. the prison officially becomes a federal prison so it moves over from being a, a military prison to a federal prison okay. uh, for the worst offenders from the other prisons
0: in america i'm going to stick with the 50s 50 okay, 54 still
1: okay bit of a music clue for you now frankie valley American singer with the four seasons yeah was born in New York Newark I was born New Jersey Newark uh
0: 19 1935
1: interesting okay American sorry it's been quite American theme right? um this may narrow it down this may not but it's a first sport one for you okay babe Ruth plays his last game for the Yankees 38 okay. On the 9th of June, the first appearance of Donald Duck I don't know it helps. 9th of June, the first appearance of Donald Duck in the cartoon The Wise Little Hen. That'll be thirties. It's definitely I'm sure it's the huh? thirties oh.
0: then. 33. Okay. Going up and down the thirties at the moment. Clue
1: six. Marie Curie, the Polish French scientist who obviously discovered radium. Um, won the Nobel Prize in 1903 1911, a great woman. Um, dies at the age of
0: 66 on the 4th of July. Okay, well, that's not clear to give you, much more. I'm going to go with 33
1: still. Will I change it? 33, yeah. yeah. 33, okay. This this may narrow it down here. I should be getting this history teacher. Um, the Night of the Long Knives right. takes place in Germany. Yeah. Adolf Hitler, uh, for those who don't know, executes his political opponents, such okay. as um, his friend Ernest Romm, he's most famous. Thirty-four, and the final one then, which you should definitely get this. Italy win the World Cup, yeah,
0: 1934. 1934.
1: Well nineteen thirty-four. Nineteen thirty-four. Well done. Did I have to say earlier? No, sure you I did I Question didn't I? seven.
0: You got in seven questions. Okay. Like
1: Let that. us know if you were listening along how quick you got it, and we'll do that again. Hey, that that was quite
0: nice. I like that. Good, Good quiz, like that. Like the little sport bit at the end. That's yeah. what.
1: That's what it. brings it in, and actually, that is should the next article I'm writing. All right. the Italian World Cup
0: 1934 so that brings it stay in stay tuned Nice. uh so thank you very much for listening to the first episode of the Football History Boys podcast we're aiming to maybe do this every, every couple of weeks I think it'll be quite good yeah slicking it up it's our first attempt at it so uh, I think we've done okay yeah that, that's yeah. what you think I'll give you that quiz question again Go just on. so they can have another little uh, listen if you know the answer at T-F-H-B-S and we will We'll give you a shout-out on the next episode because, you know, we're big time now. Okay, so the question is, which is the team in the English and Scottish leagues that has the longest name? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Goodbye from me, Gareth Thomas. And me, Ben Jones. Listen again next time.